This week, we discuss how cannabis can save the world from destruction, musical instruments made of hemp, and transdimensional travel by way of portals. Coming up next on Critical Grass. Get it, man, and get with the countdown. Shake this square world and blast off for Kicksville. Critical Grass. It's stimulating, mind-expanding, safer to use than alcohol. It's the in thing, the hula hoop of the jet generation, and as much a part of growing up as smoking corn silk behind the back fence. Critical Grass. He's looked at both the pros and cons of blowing pot. He's not convinced that grass is all that harmful, but there is room for a lot of doubt. Why don't we wait and see? There's a lot of testing to be done before we'll know all the facts. Critical grass. My name is Morris Beagle. I am from WAFBA. We are for better alternatives in Colorado, in the United States. I am an entrepreneur and I am a promoter of the plant and the planet. some serious space travel music to brighten your hot summer day. That was a track by Spencer Baggett off of the Story of the Second Universe soundtrack with a lovely jam titled Transdimensional Jump, just one of the many topics we had with this week's guest. More precisely, portal travel, and it very much has to do with current events. So yes, things got a little philosophical, but more on that later on. When our guest isn't jumping through portals, he is insanely busy promoting all things hemp right here all over planet Earth. And rightfully so. Morris Beagle is a leading cannabis-slash-hemp advocate and entrepreneur. He is the co-founder and president of WAFBA, the We Are For Better Alternatives family of brands, including the NOCO Hemp Expo, the world's most comprehensive hemp-centric conference and exposition. WAFBA also includes Silver Mountain Hemp Guitars, a manufacturer of boutique hemp guitars, cabinets, and components, Tree Free Hemp, a hemp paper and printing company, as well as Let's Talk Hemp, a comprehensive digital media platform, among several others. Spanning education, advocacy, manufacturing, and entertainment, Morris's endeavors are both pioneering and award-winning. Traveling several continents, Morris regularly engages audiences in North America, Europe, the UK, Nepal, and beyond, appearing at dozens of events and conferences each year. However, like most of the world, 2020 will be somewhat of a lost year for him, sadly as a result of COVID-19. But Morris is as energetic and excited about hemp and its potential as ever, and you would be too if you were also living the dream of a hempen life. Morris originally started out in the music business, but didn't make the jump to hemp until later on in his career. Here he explains how the hempen life began. 
Yes. So when we started everything, it started out as Colorado Hemp Company. And Colorado Hemp Company started in 2012 as Colorado passed Amendment 64 that allowed for adult use cannabis in our state. And we were the first state to pass it. Within that legislation, it also opened up the opportunity for farmers to start growing industrial hemp. And at that time, I was looking for some other career change because I'd been in the music industry for 25 plus years, doing physical media, CDs, DVDs, manufacturing, packaging, product distribution, which by that point had somewhat come to an end with the internet and file sharing and downloads and the physical media business was like pretty much done. It's like, what am I going to do next? And the cannabis thing was happening in Colorado from a medical side and then a recreational side. And I was always interested in the hemp side from t-shirts and paper and building materials and bioplastics and all the potential opportunities that hemp could provide our society and our planet. And so we started Colorado Hemp Company really as a merchandise company doing t-shirts and hats. And we partnered with a couple other companies, Wicked Hemp Footwear, Hempies, and Hemp Mania that were doing shoes and bags and hats and beanies and wallets and really the textile side of consumer goods. And that's, that's how it all began. And from there, we started Tree Free Hemp Company doing hemp paper and printing in 2013. In 2014, we started NOCO Hemp Expo. And then at that time, it's like, you know, we're starting all these brands. We really need to create an umbrella in which all of these brands or entities will fall under. So we started WAFPA in 2015. We are for better alternatives. And that's like a holding company for all of our event brands and these other things that we've launched since then. So I was coming out of running my own music company from really the mid 90s through 2011. And I was trying to find a another industry to to move into that I could utilize my skill set, which was really marketing and merchandise and promoting and and instead of promoting independent music and and that sort of thing, I decided, wow, you know, I'm a cannabis fan and now we've legalized adult use marijuana in Colorado. Now we can start growing industrial hemp. Here's an opportunity for a brand new industry to get in at the ground floor and we can start doing merchandise, which I've already been doing. And we can start doing events and doing printing, which I've been doing. And so it really all kind of came together as here's an avenue to do something that is better for, I think, the long-term health of the planet and promoting these things that can make change in society. And the, the timing was just good. So we got in in Colorado before the Farm Bill passed in 2014 that allow multiple states to start doing these small hemp pilot programs and in Colorado we were a year ahead of the curve and started putting some things into place and it just was kind of the right time at the right place. There was some companies out here doing hemp products. There's a company called Enviro Textiles. Barbara and Summer who've been in the textile market for 30 years and really pioneers in that and they're based in Colorado and and they were certainly central figures in Colorado being, you know, one of the first states to, to really develop a program. And there is a lot of people interested in hemp here in Colorado. And people have been itching to start growing that crop in the United States for decades. And so we weren't part of that initial advocacy and activism for 20 years. I come, Coming from the music industry, I was always supportive of all things cannabis. But 
jumping in at 2012. There's a lot of people that jumped in at that point, and a lot of those people are still around, and a lot of them have now kind of fell by the wayside because it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll, as they say. So Morris was indeed ahead of the cannabis curve, considering he made the jump to hemp just before recreational cannabis became legal in Colorado and before the Farm Bill of 2018, which legalized hemp production throughout the country. Colorado, of course, was a hotbed for all things hemp and cannabis long before legalization took place. Just ask anyone who went to college there in the 1990s. These days, the stigma surrounding cannabis has nearly, though not entirely, disappeared. There are still plenty of people in the state that are against the consumption of cannabis, whether for recreational or medicinal purposes. However, hemp and hemp products are a completely different category altogether, as they contain zero THC, the psychoactive ingredient. Yet, starting a hemp farm or hemp company to produce whatever product wasn't always as easy as it is now. In most of the world, hemp products have been around for quite some time, despite the international drug war and related anti-cannabis propaganda. So I wanted to know whether Morris had to deal with a lot of stigma surrounding non-psychoactive hemp when he was getting started in the industry. Absolutely. The exact same thing. There was a stigma there, law enforcement, the DEA, public perception trying to even go sell hemp t-shirts and shoes and bags into traditional retailers that would stock it, let's say outdoor sporting shops and even head shops. Well, head shops kind of get it. They've been selling hemp merchandise and t-shirts and soaps and motions, but the general retail population and the general consumer, it's still think that hemp is marijuana. It's a, and it's a gateway to marijuana. And I think, you know, we've looked at, what Canada has done and what Europe's done for a long time, because hemp's been legal in Europe since the mid nineties and, and Canada for a long time since the late nineties and China forever. And we've been importing a lot of that over into the United States since the nineties, that still it's been stigmatized because of our war on drugs. And that's been going on for 80 plus years. And so, yeah, the stigma fights when we started this was pretty significant, but we've made a lot of headway over the last eight years our Let's Talk Hemp platform, different associations and groups that have worked together to really try to educate the industry on how to educate the public. We've come a long ways over the course of the last eight years since we finally got things rolling here in the United States. Well, to the prohibitionists, anything related to cannabis, whether food, clothing, tools, or medicine, is evil and therefore must be banned, destroyed, and erased from our collective consciousness. Otherwise, people might get tempted to use a product that had already been in use for thousands of years with no ill effect. Oh, the horror. So how did people get past the stigma and pointless banning of an absolutely useful and beneficial plant? Education and showing them examples in the history of the plant and this goes back to the Jack Herer book, whether all of that was true when he originally wrote it, it's been revised and the things that were maybe questionable have been pretty thoroughly researched now. So I think that we've got a really good basis of, of education, not only with that book, but what's come about because of that book with all of us that have been inspired and a lot of research has been done about the cannabis plant and how it's been part of our existence for 10,000 years since humans really started doing agriculture and becoming an organized society. Cannabis has been with us the entire way, uh, whether it's been used for industrial purposes or nutritional purposes or for therapeutic and medicinal purposes. 
and now we've divided that plant up into these different categories. You've got marijuana over here that's recreational and medicinal, and then you've got hemp over here that can be therapeutic and, and nutritional, and then all of the different commercial industrial type applications. And so I think that we're doing a pretty good job right now explaining that to the public. The press is right the press has written about it a lot over the course of the last five or six years and we continue as an industry to put out pretty consistent messaging about it in case you've never heard of or forgotten about jack Herrer, he wrote a little book called the emperor wears no clothes which is the book to read if you want a general idea of all the things cannabis is capable of doing as well as its history over the past couple hundred years One of the things I learned just by skimming through the book was that George Washington and Thomas Jefferson grew cannabis on their plantations and smoked it too. Psst, pass it on. Benjamin Franklin started one of America's first paper mills with cannabis, and hemp was even used as legal tender in the Americas for almost 200 years. Will Morris also discovered the wonders of hemp paper and decided to branch out to that industry as well. Here he talks about his paper company, Tree Free Hemp. Um, Well, so with Tree Free Hemp... So this is a hemp paper and printing company that we have. And we've been using a hemp paper produced by a company called Greenfield Paper out of San Diego for, those guys have been making hemp paper since the 90s. And we started using their paper in 2013, really as a printer. And since then we've worked with a couple other people that are developing hemp based papers. And I think that there's a lot of room in the marketplace because there's not a lot of hemp paper across the globe right now. There's hemp rolling paper and there's a, most of the hemp pulp currently comes out of Europe. And and we, we've got a long ways to go here in the United States as far as being able to develop hemp pulp and quantities that will be able to go into the commercial stream and, and create paper on a scale that will become competitively priced. So right now the hemp paper is It's a boutique specialty paper that we do business cards and brochures and marketing collateral. And it's definitely more expensive, but it's cool. It prints well. It's got a vibe to it. It's more sustainable. It's not using a bunch of chemicals. The paper industry is highly toxic. They've dumped all kinds of stuff in our waterways over the course of the last hundred years. And there's just better ways to do it. And I think that once we produce these materials to a scale in the United States that we'll be able to to make a shift for the paper industry and moving beyond that into the the composite side of things and bioplastics, which has been pioneered there in Europe by companies like Hempflax and Dunagro who are providing composite materials for Audi and BMW and replacing car paneling and, and opening up these new technological opportunities for big industry utilizing bio-based materials. This is what really inspires me to to think that we do have a chance with our future moving away from petroleum-based products that are very detrimental to our environment, to ecosystems everywhere, as well as the timber industry where we continue to clear-cut forests and utilize materials in products that we can shift to stuff that's grown on an annual basis in three to four months and just replace a lot of that. We don't need to be clear cutting forests that again are decimating ecosystems. So that to me is one of the main reasons that I got into the hemp industry anyway. Yeah, I like to fire up a joint here and there and and chill and and utilize cannabis in a recreational sense, but 
from a long-term standpoint for the future of our planet, I think that this plant can do amazing things and leading the way to becoming a more organic and regenerative world. Hemp paper is a wonderful product and it is certainly less toxic and polluting than traditional paper. Plus, it grows at a much faster rate than trees, which means we don't need to be clear-cutting any forests. But in terms of replacing traditional paper with hemp, we're still a ways away for a variety of reasons. However, that doesn't mean we should just give up. It's an ongoing process that will take some time, but certainly worth it when you take into account all the benefits it'll bring. However, many people are also unaware of the fact that paper and rope aren't the only things hemp can be used for in terms of industrial products. Here, Morris talks about another industrial use that just might surprise you. Henry Ford did make a car that was based, uh, made out of bio-based materials, including hemp. So the whole body was basically kind of a hemp biocomposite with other bio-based materials. And there is a gentleman in the United States, Bruce Dietzen, who's got Renew Autosports, and he has built a, a car made out of hemp. And he's got another car that's the first consumer model that he's just finished. So we're making cars out of hemp, the entire body uh, upholstery, not the, the engine, you know, it's not completely, but it's a carbon neutral to carbon negative automobile. And it's been done. And now it's a matter of, can we get the auto industry to take a look at it? Hey, Elon Musk, Tesla, you know, can, can we do this? And then we then you can look at the, uh, whether we use bio-based fuels or do we use a, a hemp-based battery with hemp graphene and and other materials that are less impactful on the environment. I think that there's opportunities in the future to move away from all bases, all, all types of fuel like that and, and base it on more electric energy, whether that's being generated from the sun or from wind and using uh, batteries that are based and made out of bio-based materials. Hemp batteries, you say? Sure, even better if they're compostable. Would save me a trip or two to Ikea to throw my old ones away. But if hemp can be used to make nearly every part of the car, this could revolutionize entire industries once again. Take that, Lee Iacocca. Well, if Tesla can make electric cars popular, what's to stop someone from popularizing hemp cars that run on either hemp batteries or hemp fuel? And if cars can be produced with nothing but hemp, what else can be made to boost fledging industries or save dying ones? How about planes? Well, there's a guy that's been out there kind of pushing that he's making a hemp airplane, but... If you see that on the internet, it's just not true at this point. Can they make materials that will go into an airplane? Theoretically, but it is yet to be done. So, and when it comes to the aviation world, you got to hit all these different regulatory specs to to meet all the safety protocols. And I'm sure that it probably can be utilized in the materials. To what degree? I'm not sure. I'm not a a materials engineer and if you're looking to talk about materials engineering with hemp i can re recommend a couple of guys that would be great to have on your podcast consider it a date okay so maybe no hemp planes or trains just yet but after lying dormant for so many decades the hemp industry is finally getting back on its feet and that includes research and development which thanks to prohibition and opposition from companies such as dow chemical has a lot of catching up to do but if hemp's full potential can be reached, there's no telling how many things could be improved, especially when you compare it to what the petroleum industry has given us. It kind of makes you wonder, can hemp actually save the world? I would like to think so. I think that we're a long ways from that because there's so much investment 
in the side of the timber industry and so much money and power there, just like the petroleum industry or the corn industry, pharmaceutical industry, these industries are really well-funded and have a lot of power. And it's going to take time for us that have uh, the initiative to make positive change environmentally with bio-based options. It's going to take a while for us to get there. I think that the consumer side of things and consumers voting with their wallets and demanding big companies to look at better alternatives for their products, better ingredients, that big companies can shift their emphasis away from some of these more toxic ingredients to looking at more environmentally friendly ingredients. And I'll go back to BMW and Audi and some of the foreign car manufacturers replacing petroleum-based plastic materials with biocomposite materials, or you've got Levi Strauss that's now making 100% hemp guitar straps, and they're making hemp-based jeans, and there's some of these bigger companies that are looking at alternatives that are more sustainable and that will be also, you know, it's a better uh, corporate mission, uh, corporate responsibility that they that they can market to their consumers. So I think that there's an opportunity with the right marketing and the right relationships to, to, to partner with these big companies to make the shift. That's what it's going to take. Well, with recreational slash adult use cannabis now being illegal in about a dozen U.S. states and counting, how are things on the retail end of the cannabis spectrum? And by that, I'm referring to things like packaging for various products found in dispensaries, such as vape pen cartridges, edibles packaging, and so on. Have processors and manufacturers adjusted to be in line with eco-friendly and sustainable principles, or is this an ongoing struggle? It's an ongoing battle because we're not there in terms of scalability yet for the hemp plastic side of things. There is a company called the Hemp Plastic Company. It's hemp pla- the hemp pla- I think it's hempplastic.com. And then there's another company, Sauna Packaging, that is making little dube tubes out of a hemp-based plastic. And they're definitely more expensive at this point. But there's emphasis and technology in play to to scale that and to make it cost competitive. But at this point in the consumer goods market, in the cannabis space, in the natural product space, there's still so much single-use plastic. And everybody's aware of it. The, The brands are aware of it, and they're looking for options that are recycled options. There's like recycled ocean plastic that's becoming popular now. And so while we transition, as much as we can from petroleum-based plastics. What are the other what are the other options? Is there recycled materials, recycled plastics? Can is there other options out there while we get to these bio-based plastics? And and there are some, and people are are really working on that, but we're still not quite there yet. So scalability is the issue here, but in all honesty, there's no reason we should be holding on to petroleum-based single-use plastics if we have a viable, sustainable, and affordable alternative within reach. If anything, we should be mobilizing all sectors of the economy to make this transition as soon as possible. It would certainly do wonders in terms of providing jobs to the unemployed and could massively benefit the environment, especially with regards to CO2 emissions, if done the right way. So with all this in mind, are we on the verge of a hemp renaissance in the United States? Well, it's already started, but there's still roadblocks at the federal level and at the state level through a variety of different states because there's not real uniformity yet. 
Now, the USDA has put out their interim final rule, which has a lot of issues, and the industry has provided feedback, and they're reviewing all of the feedback that they got. And unfortunately, the DEA has influenced and been involved in these interim final rules where they're supposed to be out of the mix. I mean, that was the whole point of passing the farm bill where we legalize hemp as an industrial agricultural crop that will fall under the USDA. And the, again, the DEA is stuck their nose in there and you got to use DEA labs and 15 day harvest periods and stuff that's just not possible. And it's still, we've still got this 0.3% in the United States. I know it's 0.2% in most places in Europe. It's 0.3% in Canada. And this percentage is just an arbitrary number that really needs to go away in the long run. When we're, when we're, if we're looking 10 years down the road, there shouldn't be any THC percentage. It should just be, it's all cannabis. And it, what is the end use? If it's going into the rec market, it can have this. If it's going into a grocery store as a therapeutic, then it has to be below 0.3% or have 0% THC. If it's going into a wall or a piece of clothing, who gives a shit what that amount of THC was in that plant because you're not gonna smoke a t-shirt or you're not gonna smoke the plaster off your wall. Um, so we still have those issues that will be clarified over the coming years. And then we've got the FDA who is still saying that CBD is not a, allowed ingredient for dietary supplements or for food and then you've got certain states like colorado who have passed legislation that say cbd and cannabinoids under 0.3 percent can be put in as a food ingredient or a supplement ingredient and so we've got this difference between state and federal law and, and there's still a lot to be washed out there and the industry is doing what it can to align itself against uh, these unfavorable measures that are out there. And then the the European Hemp Industries Association has put out kind of the call for global unity. And, and I think that's what really needs to happen is we have to have a global voice that can go to the UN or the WHO or the CDC and all of this. And it's like, hey, here's what hemp is. Here's what the recreational medical side is. It all should be legal. I mean, we just got to end the drug war and end the stigma across the globe with this plant. The percentages Morris is referring to have nothing to do with actual science or quote-unquote safe amounts of THC. It's also rather absurd that different countries will have different limits for the amount of THC allowed in industrial hemp plants. As he mentioned before, no one is going to smoke a hemp shirt or eat a bunch of hempcrete for the purposes of getting high. At this stage of the game, it's much easier to obtain smokable cannabis from the underground market than it is to try to somehow extract it from a processed product that never had any THC to begin with. But speaking of processed hemp products, there was one company in particular that Morris founded that immediately caught my attention and stoked my curiosity, Silver Mountain Hemp Guitars. Here Morris explains the genesis of this particular project. There's a company called Canadian Hemp Guitars that started making these electric body guitars back in, I think, in 2013. And I got a couple of those, and then I asked those guys if they would make me an SG and then a, and, and a Telecaster. So they made a, a couple of guitars for me, and then I asked if they would start private labeling for me. And in, the, in that process, I also hooked up with a company called the Hard Truckers who were making cabinets. And they had made some cabinets out of hemp back in like 2008, 2009. And then the company that was making the, 
really the press board material for the for the box went out of business and then some companies here in the United States started creating some particle board stuff that could be great for for combo amps and for guitar cabinets. And so we ran about 40, 50 cabinets of that. And then the guys building those came to me and said, hey, let's make these own new style guitars using this Hempwood. So there's another company that just popped up in the last couple of years in Kentucky called the Hempwood Company, and it's Hempwood.com. And it's uh, guys that were making bamboo flooring and stuff. And they're basically taking the stocks and compressing it down and making a really hard pressed wood. And it's super cool looking. And so we're taking that for the guitar we, on front and back. And then we've got a, a high density particle board that's 100% hemp as a middle filler that we can carve out for all the pickups. And then we can chamber if we want. So we're still kind of in R&D on the body stuff, but it's it's coming along and I should have the brand new prototype guitars in two weeks. I'm going to have the new combo amps, which I've yet to hear on Monday. So I've, I've, they're just getting finished right now. So you're, you're hearing about it before anybody else. And I'm excited to hear it. And the, they look cool. And the guys that are building them are master builders and they say they sound great. So I can give you an update on that here in a few weeks once I give them a test drive. The stuff that's been built so far has been built with the the idea that they can do a variety of things, but first and foremost, they have to rock, and they do. Guitar manufacturers have started using all sorts of different materials to make their instruments, including aluminum and plexiglass, but hemp guitars are very new to the game, and apparently, according to Morris, they can rock. However, Given the fact that cannabis has played a major role in the formation of certain genres and subgenres of rock and metal, the question needs to be asked. Does a hemp guitar doom? I would say that yes, it can doom. Uh, I come from the mold of Black Sabbath and Tony Iommi, and who is the king of the riff, and with that as my base, uh, I would say yes, it can doom, and, and there is that element. And Silver Mountain Hemp Guitars was named in honor of the great Ronnie James Dio, the man on the Silver Mountain. And so anyway, there is a doom element, a heavy element, the riff element that is, is at the core of this guitar. So I like to say that it's the loudest guitar on the planet. These guitars go to 11. Our combo amps are going to 11. We are one louder, and nothing shall be louder than the truth. Now, you might not hear it in my voice, but my inner guitar nerd is screaming like a Japanese schoolgirl at a J-pop concert. Now, it all sounds great, don't get me wrong. I mean, who wouldn't want to play an instrument made from the same plant that Tony Iommi smoked before belting out his legendary riffs? But a sound check needs to be done first, of course. I asked Morris how one of these hemp axes sounds compared to a traditional wooden guitar. I think it's comparable, and... I guess there needs to be some more AB stuff done with it because I, my brother's got a studio that's got, he's got, oh, I don't know, probably 40 or 50 cabinets and a ton of different heads and a ton of different pedals and a shit ton of different guitars. So we're going to, over the course of the next several months, do a lot of ABing in his studio with different Fender and Marshall and Laney heads and different cabinets and different guitars and and really kind of see where these things fall. So we're still in the R&D stage, but just picking it up and playing it through the standard hemp stuff that I've got here, I mean, it sounds really good. 
and I'm just I'm interested to see what other guitar players. You know how finicky guitar players are. Everybody's got their little individual nuances that they're looking for. Oh, that's too bright. That's too dark. Or the mids are too much. Or you know what it is. Well, if that wasn't enough, Silver Mountain is also getting into the amplifier and speaker cabinet game. That's right, there are now speaker cones available made from your favorite plant. The reviews are in, and they're also surprisingly good. Well, I'll let you know that the the cabinets that we ran, which we ran a bunch of 1x12s and 2x12s, all of those are loaded with either the Cannabis Rex speakers or the Tone Tubby speakers, which Tone Tubby is in the, is the hemp cone speaker company that's been around for 20 years, and they're the ones who white label and provide eminence with the cones for their Cannabis Rex speakers. So all of our cabinets are loaded with hemp cone speakers, and then the combo amps, um, we've got Celestion, or not, we've got Eminence in there, and I believe that this first batch he put Cannabis Rex in there, um, but there, that's going to be the option is having Cannabis Rex or Tone Tubby, or if you want to load something else in there for because you're particular about you really want those speakers in your cabinets, and we'll be we'll be able to put whatever custom speakers you want in there. Oh, Cannabis, is there anything you can't be made into? Well, we'll certainly keep an eye out for Silver Mountain products, and hopefully we'll be able to take them for a spin once they become more widely available. Now, there was one more topic Morris and I ended up briefly discussing. However, it wasn't what you would necessarily expect in a cannabis podcast. I would say that we're going through a pandemic right now, which is like going through a portal. And this is a, a message that I got from this gal, Wynona LaDuke, who is a Native American who's got a hemp farm in Minnesota, and she was on a, a panel in one of our virtual events recently. And going through this pandemic is like going through a portal where we recognize the broken systems that are all around us. And it's time for us to recognize these broken systems and create new systems that will take us well beyond this pandemic and into a future that can provide equity and equality and benefit for all. When Winona said it on the event that we did, it was very powerful and very moving. And somebody that, when you look at the Native Americans and those that have been really in, in, ingrained and in touch with the earth and the environment, and, and we just see the mass destruction that our society has caused this planet over the last hundred years, it is a time for us to reflect and how do we look into the future and and move beyond what we've been doing and do things in a different way where future generations can have an opportunity to enjoy this planet and enjoy this life uh, before our generation ends up destroying it. As awful as COVID-19 is, especially considering the number of lives it has taken and the economic damage it has done, there is a silver lining here. Morris sees it as a portal, and I think that's not a bad take. Personally, I see it more as being in suspended animation, where for a few weeks or a few months, while everything is on lockdown, nothing seems to change. However, when the dust settles, things will be very different on so many levels, almost as if we indeed pass through some sort of interdimensional portal. Work will be different, travel will be different, even food in many ways will be different. And like it or not, we will be forced to do some reflection and reconsider how we go about our daily lives as many of our behaviors as a species have been exposed as unsustainable. And that should be a huge learning moment for all of us going forward. Any advice to potential hempen warriors of the future? 
Well, I don't know if I, there's any advice I wish I would have got. I think I realized coming from the music industry is uh, difficult and crazy as that industry was, especially when it came collapsing down, that I knew that the cannabis industry and then launching the hemp industry and the stigma that was involved with it was going to be a difficult road. And so I will say that to people that want to get involved in the hemp or cannabis industries that there's a lot of work still yet to be done. And if you're going to jump in, uh, do it because you're passionate about it and you really believe that it's going to make positive change to the world. Be authentic, be transparent, uh, be above board and bring a skill set to the table that can add to the entire movement. Amen to all of that. So if we want to contact Morris or one of his hemp companies, where can we find him? I would say go to morrisbeagle.com. That's probably the, the best way. And morris at morrisbeagle.com is my email address. And wafpa.org has links to all of our different brands. And sadly, time to say farewell to our guest. Morris Beagle of We Are For Better Alternatives, uh, among uh, a slew of uh, other hemp-related companies. That was an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for highlighting the role of hemp and its importance in our daily lives. It's truly inspiring. It gives people a lot of hope in these uh, very strange uh, times that we're uh, experiencing right now. But uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. The world cannot have enough hemp and hemp and goods. Uh, and maybe we'll uh, cross paths at uh, some trade fair or uh, a cannabis conference when uh, intercontinental travel returns. Well, thank you, Bogdan. I appreciate uh, all your time and, and what you're doing. And you keep spreading the good word as well. That was episode 44 of the Critical Grass podcast. Six more to go before Half-Life. Huge thanks once again to Morris Beagle for the super exciting chat about all things hemp. My doom rig will soon be complete. If you enjoyed the show, feel free to share with like-minded or even unlike-minded friends. We'll be happy to convert them for you. If you would like to support the show, you can do so by becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash criticalgrass or by clicking the donate button on our website, www.critical-grass.com. We'll be back again next week with yet another exciting chat, so don't go anywhere. Otherwise, we'll have to find you. My name, as usual, is Bogdan. Stay happy, my friends. Oh, yes, have a wonderful 710. Oil it up.